it's funny, this morning I, I, I mean, it was off the cuff, shout to the Lord is a song from a previous generation, but there used to be a phrase that within Christian circles that was, you'd get three things all over the world. You'd get McDonald's, Coca-Cola, and shout to the Lord, because that was the song, it was the song, everywhere you went, shout to the Lord gets sung, and uh, so it's a great song, and great words, and Darlene Check was a, a gifted woman of God, and a great worshiper, and but it's funny, as we were just singing there, I, I just I thought about the, I was reminded of the, this has nothing to do with my preach, I'll get to that in a moment, but I was reminded of the, the story about David when he, he dances before the Lord, and basically, there's a song we used to sing, I'll dance like David danced, now, please don't, because David danced in a way that was very not a, but basically, David was so exuberant in his praise and worship of the God that he served that he didn't care what it looked like, it was messy, it was ugly, it was spontaneous, please don't dance like he danced, literally. But basically, it's funny, and it is funny when you read it and you think, thank goodness we don't dance like that anymore. But the thing is about worship, like you said, it's, it's a heart singing hallelujah. It wasn't about the physical act, because everyone can jump about and dance and sing, but actually if your heart isn't in it, and it's funny, because in the story, David's wife sees David dancing before the Lord, gets so embarrassed by him, tells him, you're embarrassing yourself, but the Bible says that she never had any more children. And it wasn't about, now that's uh, one of the theology of all that, but it tells me that in the environment of this story, David was right and she was wrong. So the reality is our worship should not be something that's timid. Now we don't, like I'm not saying that if you don't jump about, you don't, that's not what I'm saying. But actually we should be so overflowing, our hearts should be so overflowing in thankfulness to God that it should have some form of, it should look, <laughs> not like David Dance, but it should be, it should look a bit weird and a bit messy and a bit, and if we, I, my prayer is that I will never ever get to a place where I look at anyone worshiping Jesus and think, well, that was embarrassing, that was weird. My prayer is that I will have the heart of David's that says, I'm so thankful that I'll become even more undignified because it's not about me looking great, it's about him getting the glory. Wait, now, this morning's preach. I'll move on. Last week, Pastor Jim preached an amazing message on I was going to say Pride and Prejudice, but it wasn't. It was Prejudice and Pride. He ripped off the novel. And, uh, and it was a great message. If you haven't heard it online, please check it out. It will challenge you. Fair warning. It certainly challenged me when I watched it because I had the honour of being out with the kids. But it inspired me to rip off another novel title this morning. So last week we got Prejudice and Pride. And this week I want to preach a message that I've entitled A Fail of Two Generations. Not A Tale of Two Cities but a fail of two generations. And thanks, Gary, for the graphic. And just to let you know, in case you ever need to know this for a quiz of any point, if you're ever asked what are the two cities in the novel, A Tale of Two Cities, it's Paris and London. There you go, just saying. Just in case you ever need to know that. I've not read the book, but I know that much because it's came up in a quiz before and I did not know the answer. And then, but it's my honour to get shared this morning. And this morning, I don't want to preach a Father's Day sermon because I think that it can be easy to do that, but I really believe that God's laid in my heart something to share about a fail of two generations, and it's about a father and son in the Bible, and I believe that there's lessons that we can learn from this story. I'm not going to read from the Bible, because I've got like six chapters to cover, so we're going to go through it, but if you have been doing our daily readings as a church, because we do give them out, if you don't have them and would like access to them, head to the connection point, but if you've been following the story, we find out about David, who's the father, and Absalom, who's his son. And it's a really tragic and sad story, actually, because 
we find a fail of two generations and the consequences of if we don't get things right. But before I start, what I want you to do, I don't want to split the room because we're not into division at all, but I want you to take a moment and decide whether you are in the younger generation. Now, I'm not telling you I cut off and there's no age cut off. You get to decide whether you think you're in the younger generation or if you think you're in the older generation. Why? Because I have three lessons each. So I've got three for the older ones, three for the younger ones. And, and technically, if, you're in the, if you put yourself in the younger one, you should listen to both, because therefore, one day you will, unfortunately, be in the older generation. And, um, and if you're the older ones, you can just ignore the younger... No, I'm just kidding. That was kind of part of the problem, but I'll get to that. But basically, in our church readings, we've been following to Samuel. And basically, to give a bit of context to the story... It all starts with King David. Now, I'm not going to go into the theology of the backstory for purposes. You can read that in the Bible. But basically, David has this son called Absalom. And Absalom has a sister called Tamar. Now, in the story where it starts to go wrong, is unfortunately, and the Bible is quite graphic, but it doesn't hide the ugly parts, which is why I love the Bible, not because of the ugly parts, but it doesn't try and dress things up to pretend that everything was perfect and everyone's so rosy in the garden. Actually, it's quite messy and people are quite messy and ugly and it's horrific, but basically Absalom's sister Tamar is raped by her brother Amon. And Absalom finds out about this and he is angry, very righteously he is angry. Now, the saddest part of this story, out with the rape, that's obviously the hardest part, is King David had a responsibility as the older generation to deal with this situation. But guess what? He didn't. And so for two years, the Bible says, as far as we're aware, there was nothing, there was no justice, there was nothing that happens. And so what happens is Absalom decides, well, I'm going to take matters into my own hands. So Absalom basically has a plot to kill Amon. And so lesson one for me, for the, the older generation, if you put yourself in that category, is do what you are responsible to do. Don't shirk your responsibilities. Don't do nothing because each generation has a plan and a purpose and God has things for us to do. There's battles that we should win and responsibility can seem like a really ugly word because... Nobody really wants to take responsibility for anything in society. Like, we never ever own our mistakes. It's always someone else's fault. Or like, I've done it because of this. And it's never just that, you know what, I got this wrong. But you see, a lack of responsibility here led to a disconnect between David and Absalom. You see, if David had dealt with the situation, then Absalom wouldn't have felt that he had to. And so my, my challenge for the older generation, if we consider ourselves in that, is that when we have responsibilities to lead or to fight battles or to deal with situations or to, to move forward, that we don't shirk our responsibility. We don't pass it off into the younger generation. We don't sweep things under the carpet, but we actually are open enough to say, do you know what, this is an ugly situation and it's uncomfortable and it's messy, but do you know what, I'm going to step in and deal with it because it's my responsibility to do so. Because if we don't, then what happens is a younger generation will come along who see the problem, who see that we've done nothing and then think, well, why did you not do something? And they won't deal with it in the right way because it was never theirs to deal with in the first place and they'll just make a bigger mess and ultimately it will cause a lot of pain and a lot of chaos. But my lesson for the younger generation, if you count yourselves in this, is that just because an older generation might be taking their time or just because they maybe haven't dealt with something, it doesn't mean that you should... 
You see, Absalom might have on the outside executed justice in a human term, like Ammon got what he deserved, so to speak. But Absalom's heart was completely wrong. Absalom didn't understand that this was a heart issue. That it's not a physical act issue, but it's a heart issue. You see, Absalom, it says in the Bible, he looked the part. He was charismatic, he was handsome, he was smart, he was, the people loved him, he was clearly a good leader because people followed him. In fact, I think it's hard to argue that Absalom was a really bad person because later on we find that David wept over Absalom. You don't weep over someone who's horrible. I mean, you just don't. So Absalom wasn't necessarily a bad person. But what he didn't understand is that as a younger generation, you have to look after your heart. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter how gifted you are. But actually, ultimately, it's about the heart. And it's funny because Solomon, who is Absalom's brother, because Absalom created issues with Solomon as well, Solomon wrote in Proverbs, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. He wrote that in Proverbs 4.23. And I wonder if he learned that himself or whether he learned it the hard way by looking at his brother Absalom. I, I don't know. But you see, Absalom's frustration and his, his pain and his anger were not incorrect. He was angry about the right thing. The issue was that he done it in his own strength and in his own way. And that's never God's heart. You see, it was David's responsibility to do it, but Absalom undercut the older generation, and that is never God's will. God has got a plan for our generation. And the reason I believe God laid this in my heart is because I look out in our church and I don't know if I've ever experienced a church or know of a church and people have commented on the church. We've got so many generations within our church and it's amazing. The unity in this place. So this is not a lesson of, oh, we're terrible at this, learn. It's actually a, let's be aware of these things so that we make sure this doesn't happen to us. You see, later on in the story, we then find Absalom basically kills his brother Ammon and he runs away in hiding because that's what you do after you murder someone to be honest your dad's quite angry and David's quite angry again David's quite right to be angry you should not have done that but it says that for three years Absalom is with his he basically runs to his grandparents and that's pretty much what kids do (laughs) you've upset your parents so he runs away to his grandfather like that's pretty much what kids do and um, and it's but that's what he does and for three years He's separated, and then eventually there's a middleman who comes in, and he's kind of like, David, see that Absalom, your son, like he's kind of, he wants to come back, so can you like let him come back? And he kind of brokers this peace. But the Bible records in 2 Samuel how Absalom returns to David's kingdom, but David refuses to see him. So he lets him come back, but he doesn't restore him. There's no, instead of building a bridge where they can heal the hearts, he puts up a barrier that says, you can't, I don't want to see you. And I think that my my second lesson for the older generation is that don't exclude the younger generation even when they get things wrong. So there are times when the younger generation will mess up. They will make mistakes. They might cause some damage. They might even hurt you. They might do things that are wrong. but, But if we don't include them in the conversation, if we don't get alongside them in this moment, then all we're going to do is drive a wedge between the two generations that's just going to cause tension and division and rebellion. And my prayer is that we will, as an older generation, have soft hearts that allow having grace for the mistakes of the younger generation. That there won't be a, a disconnect where we can be angry at them, but there's no way of... I mean, it's easy to tell people they've done something wrong, but actually it's, it's kind of futile if we don't actually show them how to do it right next time. 
And I think this is a failure in David's part. I mean, if you've ever had kids or grandkids, you, when they get things wrong, yes, you're annoyed. But you don't just be annoyed and then never address it and just let them do it again. So, like, why would it be different for us as church or as a group of people? It wouldn't be any different for that. I mean, if you start, if someone's, like, I remember when I, uh, uh, when I worked at the bank, we, we had the, like, we had floor walkers who were, like, responsible when we started in the job as customer service. They would basically help us, because guess what? They didn't just, in a work environment, you don't just say people, here's the job, go and do it, and then leave them when they get it wrong. Like, it can cause absolute chaos. Thankfully, I never caused absolute chaos, because I just asked questions all the time. <laughs> I was constantly stuck. And um, the, the, my nickname was, like, QQ, because I always said quick question, because <laughs> it was like, I was asking, because I would rather just make sure I got it right. And, and eventually, I got the confidence that came, and actually... It's the same so in spiritual. Actually, the younger generation, God has got a plan for them. And the older generation, you've been there oftentimes. You've done it or you've learned mistakes. And actually, we can make new mistakes that the older generation didn't so that we can pass that on to future generations. You see, we get alongside them and actually when they get it wrong, just say, you know what, you got that wrong, but here's how you can do it next time. And it works perfectly in the New Testament where Apollos is this amazing preacher, but his theology is rubbish. His theology is dodgy. So these ladies get alongside him and say, Apollos, you're great at preaching. You're an amazing gifted communicator. We call out the gift of God in your life. However, you've got this a little bit wrong, so let us help to correct you so that you can actually be more fruitful and more faithful and greater. And Apollos was greater after that than he was before. Why? Because the older generation got alongside him and says, you're getting this wrong, but we know that God's caught hand is on your life. We know that God's got a plan for your life. We know that God is going to use you mightily. So instead of just being annoyed, let's have a conversation. Let's go alongside one another and let's encourage you into everything that God has for you. You see, David, instead of using this as a breakthrough moment, he set up a barrier. And then what happens is, Absalom, he refuses to submit to the authority that God has placed over his life. And he didn't listen to the older generation. You see, Absalom, as much as David had a responsibility to talk to Absalom, Absalom also never talks to David. (laughs) You see... He never asks for wisdom. He never seeks out wise counsel. He just runs in, does his own thing, and he causes absolute damage. He wasn't willing to wait for his turn or his time. So he tried to make it happen in his own strength, and it led to absolute chaos. You see, the younger generation, my lesson too for you, is that we have to learn to be humble. To recognize that if God has got a plan for your life, It is God's responsibility to work out the time and the turning of when he will bring you into everything he promises you. Don't do it on your own strength, because if you do, you'll hurt people, you'll cause damage, you'll cause chaos, and ultimately, you'll rob yourself of everything that God has for you because you tried to do it in your own strength. You see, Absalom, I don't know if Absalom was ever going to be king, but he was next in line, (laughs) like biologically, if you'd done it that way. So he was the next in line to be the king. He just didn't want to wait for the time when God had for him to be king. And maybe God never intended for him to be king. I'm not saying it was. But we'll never know the answer. Why? Because Absalom decided, I know better. Have you ever been there? I know better. I've done that plenty of times. I know better. And then two, sometimes like two minutes later, I'm like, Dad, I need your help. (laughs) Mom, I need your help because I've messed this up. 
Why? Because oftentimes we don't know better. You see, the younger generation, if you're not careful, you'll end up just causing absolute chaos. And I've seen it evidenced in my own life. I've been in this season of when you feel like it's your time and you feel like everyone else is getting a turn apart from you and you're like, what is going on? Why I'm, hey, this is, being, being totally honest, there's been times in my life as a younger person where I've thought, I'm better at this thing than they are. Like, I am more gifted than that person at doing that thing. And that is very difficult as a season to find yourself. And if you've ever been there, you're like, I am. Have you ever been better than your boss <laughs> in your own mind? And then you sit in your boss's chair and you're like, whoa, this was, I am definitely not. Like, but the reality is there will be a time in your life when you will have the feelings of, well, I can do this better than the person. But guess what your responsibility is? to submit to the authority and to serve in the place that God has placed you to be. Why? Because he will call you when, he's time, when it's time to call you. And I've seen it. There's, I've had people who I've known in church life growing up who if they had only understood, they were better communicators than me. Everything that Absalom had, they were and I was not. They were better looking than me. They were smarter than me. They were more eloquent than me. They, were better, they, they probably still are all of these things but they never ever learned the lesson that Absalom never learned, which was you can't make it happen in your own strength because when you do, you'll just hurt yourself, you'll end up, and now my prayer for them is that they learn this lesson before it's far too late for them to do so. So my challenge for the younger generation is to learn how to be humble. Not to, don't underestimate what God is doing in your life in this current season, but don't overestimate your gift and your ability that God gave you in the first place. Because if you try and use it for yourself, you'll never ever see everything that God has for you. And my final lesson is for both of the generations together. And it is that we should work hard to keep unity across both generations. You might not like the dress style, that goes both ways. You might not like the music choices, that goes both ways. They might annoy you. Again, that goes both ways. In fact, being honest, they definitely will annoy you. Like, it's just, at some point they will. But here's the rub of the green. When God's people are at their best, it is, and the Bible says, when one generation praises God to the next. That was when God's people are at their best. You see, there are people in this room right now, you're in a different generation from other people. But if you knew what God was doing in them and through them, if you knew what God had done for them, but the reason we would know that is by coming together and having that thing called conversation and saying, hey, what's God doing in your life? What has God done? The faith that would build in all of us, we would recognize that actually God has got promise and purpose. If we are still on planet Earth, then God is not done with us, which means there are still things for him to do in us and through us. And that will look very different across generations. But you see, sadly, in this story, what happens is the, the chaos between the two generations becomes so great that eventually Absalom rises up against the generation, and sadly, Absalom dies. Absalom loses his life, and it's just a really tragic thing. And I really, it breaks my heart, and we can go into the theology of what Nathan had said and how this was always going to happen, but really, it was just a failure of the two generations because they just, they just didn't get it. <laughs> If they had just had conversations at multiple points through this jump, this could be completely avoided. But the beauty thing is, 
that it doesn't have to end the story. That doesn't have to be what happens for us ever. Because instead, we can be like a Caleb and a Joshua, who we read about in Numbers and we read about in Joshua. They are part of two different generations, but they come together and God has got, God leads the people of Israel right to the edge of the promise that God has for them. We can be right on the edge. And they send in the 12 spies and there's only Joshua and Caleb from two different generations who saw the same thing and says, hey, but God's promised us this land. God's got a plan for us. And ultimately, sadly, the rest of the generations in between, I mean, it was, it's, it's so heartbreakingly sad what happens because they miss out on the promise that God has for them because they didn't understand the actual power of God at work across generations. But Joshua and Caleb, the older generation and the younger generation come together and I can imagine for 40 years they had to sit, I mean that's like, I don't know, what, imagine your favourite food right now in your brain. Imagine you had tasted that, a tiny little taste of that, then for 40 years you don't get to taste it ever again because the reality is they're the only two people who had tasted it. The rest of the people, those 12 spies who went in, but they were the only two for 40 years who had to, I mean, imagine getting like water and bread. For 40 years, that's all you get. No, it's pretty good bread, it came from heaven, but still. It's not the creme de la creme. And for 40 years, I'd imagine they were like talking to each other every day, but hey, we're one day closer. Hey, I know that this is difficult right now. I know that you're struggling. And actually, there'll be days where Caleb struggled, there'll be days when Joshua struggled, and I guarantee that they got together and they encouraged one another through conversation. And what happened was they led God's people into the land that God had promised them hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago. And I believe that God has got a plan for us as a church. I believe that God has got things he wants to do for the older generation and the younger generation and that both generations together, it's not about, this message is not about the younger generation going and doing everything and the older generation sitting in the back and cheering them on. No, 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 that's not how my God works. This is about the older generation and the younger generation coming together to move forward in everything that God has, to step into the promises he has for both generations so that we can possess together the promises that God has for us and eventually it finds Caleb at the end of his tether still even Caleb right at the end is like God give me this mountain God if I'm still here on planet earth you're not done with me and Joshua decrees one of my favorite things and like I wrote it in my the worship team could probably come up at this point but I'm, I'm gonna write, I wrote it in my dad's father's day card so if you watch this online before I get to give it to you you'll see what it says but Joshua writes this phrase that I always found cheesy as anything growing up. Like, it was probably the most cheesy line in the whole Bible. But actually, the older you get, the more, it's one of the most powerful. And it says for this, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I just think Joshua was declaring over my future generations, you, you guys can do what you want. You're responsible for your own life. But as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. And I just thought, what a powerful thing that would be if we could speak over every generation in this church, future generations and the generations that will outlast us. As for us in this house, in this church, as this family, as the people of God together here, we will serve the Lord. No matter what other churches do, no matter the chaos that goes on the outside world, but together, the two generations, the older and the younger, we're going to come together and just say, do you know what? We're just going to serve the Lord. Whatever it looks like, we're just going to serve the Lord. That's what we do. Can you stand if you're comfortable and able to do so? I'm just going to pray for us and then the worship team will close with it as we give God the glory. But Father God, I thank you for 
who you are. God, I thank you for the lessons we can learn, Father. I pray that, I, I just pray that we will be a church where there's unity across every generation, where we'll show grace to one another, we'll learn from one another, where we'll have conversations with one another, but ultimately that we'll work together to step into everything that you have for us. Father God, that this is a place where everyone can serve the Lord together. Where there's not a favored generation, there's not a preferred generation, but actually it's everyone together, no matter whether you're the youngest or the oldest or anywhere in between. Father God, that you'll get the glory, that we can be your people who are sent locally, nationally, and globally, as we stretch and strengthen people. In the name of Jesus.